This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. I am going to begin, even though I am not a Catholic, I'm going to begin with a confession. So here we go. So you guys can choose to absolve me or not i guess that's a choice you'll have to make maybe andrew our producer can make maybe andrew can can jump in here's the confession i i have a problem with books and i i sometimes i i think this was a mistake on the part of the reformation alliance but (laughs) they have given me a lot of liberty in the purchasing of the books for the conference reformationboise.com if you have not registered And there was a huge sale, and specifically a huge sale on a lot of books on the covenant. And our theme for this coming year is God to us. And so this morning I bought $550 worth of books that I... That'll go in an instant. That I want to see you have in your hands, listeners. Some of of us have actually packed out $300 worth of books at the conference, (laughs) so that'll go really fast. So just so you know... We have been stockpiling books ever since the last conference ended, and I'm a little embarrassed to say that I think we might already have more books on hand than we had at the last conference. So all of that to say, you want to go to Mm ReformationBoise.com, register for the upcoming conference, and start setting aside $20, $25 a month between now and and September 22nd and 23rd, so that when you get to the conference, all of these books that I'm buying at a steal of a deal. They'll be passed on to you. Yes, because we do not actually mark up the books. We sell them at the cost that we get them at, so then you can walk away with a whole truckload of books, maybe even $300 worth. Yeah. yeah. But easily it's do- Easily done. But well, that this is a good point of, you know, the conference is free. Yes. So that yes. you have money to buy books. And those $300 worth of books are really would be valued at something like $650 worth. Sure. So exactly. you're getting a huge bang for your buck. And so please be setting that time aside and planning on attending September 22nd, 23rd. It's God to us, and you can get information at ReformationBoise.com. Which my wife is looking forward to celebrating her birthday with uh, us at the conference. Yes, let your wife know that we are already (laughs) practicing (laughs) our best rendition of happy birthday. So (laughs) I promise you I will not be leading the singing. And that's a positive. We have been talking about um, different questions about the Bible, and specifically yesterday we began looking at the opening chapters of Genesis and how we are to read those opening chapters, and we would assert that those are an historical narrative, and they're giving the actual account of God bringing creation into existence. 
sometimes people will say it's not really a salvation issue so why should we bother why should we talk about this and what i would like to to step back and ask is this is that actually true that it's not a salvation issue with regard to the creation of adam well if you turn it into a saga or myth or um it, suggesting that creation could be a process of evolution, dualism, or some th- kind of theistic evolution over s- such long periods of time. It truly does change the nature of things because the Bible sets up a, a comparison between the first Adam and the second Adam. Adam that God created and the second Adam, which is Jesus Christ. And so it it's it's talking about humanity in these two people who became representatives of all humanity. And so I think that there you have to you have to pay very close attention to the his, accurate historical narrative that we have in the first chapters of of Genesis. I think too if we uh we we lose the I guess the significance of humanity if Adam just kind of came out of through ordinary generation and evolution, then he we truly are just we're lucky another <laughs> yeah we're, we're we're lucky we're we're just another one of the beasts of the earth. But God spends time showing us that there is a significance to mankind, and even in Adam's formation, where chapter two zeroes in on that, you know God throughout Genesis is he's speaking things into being. He's saying, "Let this happen. Let this happen. Let this happen. Let this happen." And then we get to chapter 2, verse 7, and we see, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. There's an imagery there of everything just focusing in. And it's like God just takes time, doesn't just speak it, but he takes his, his hands and forms the dirt into a man. And then it's almost like he's he's giving him, you know, like, when we give people CPR, I mean, there's this imagery of God kneeling down, taking this man he's just formed and breathing life into him. And it's just a, we we are the image bearers of God and we are distinct and we're separate from the rest of all the animal kingdom and we're distinct and separate even from the angelic hosts. We have this position in God's creation of being those who bear his image. Can I bring that back to a point you brought up yesterday? <clears throat> After I'm done clearing my throat. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that. Our producer tells us that that's good radio, so don't worry about it. He does? <coughs> yes. Well, then I'll keep going. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, I'll take time to clear our throats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the questions that people often have is why does Genesis 2 repeat Genesis 1? Are those mm-hmm. two different creation accounts? You mentioned that yesterday. And I brought a quote from a guy. His name is Herman Bovink. And you two Dutch reform guys, you have to, I think you have to give a standing ovation after I read this quote from Bobby, because he's like the patron saint of Dutch reform theology, right? Isn't that how <laughs> Well, that he's is? pretty high up there. He's, he's, okay. he's mine. You can't see it, but they have Herman Bobby necklaces on. <laughs> but, yeah, and tattoos. Yeah. My last name's not actually officially Herman. I changed that in, in <laughs> because of Herman Bobbink. <laughs> All right, back to the seriousness of the... (laughs) The position of man is, what he says is really the the central issue in the two creation accounts, quote-unquote, in Genesis 1 and 2. And I'm going to read this as best I can. 
I'm going to translate it from Dutch. Maybe I should have Russ read, uh, Russ read it. <laughs> no. Um, this is from his book, The Wonderful Works of God. Uh, the account of the creation of man in the first chapter of Genesis is elaborated and amplified in the second chapter. This second chapter of Genesis is sometimes mistakenly designated the second creation story. It's erroneous because the creation of heaven and earth is assumed in this chapter and is referred to in verse 4 in order to introduce the manner in which God formed man from the dust of the earth. The whole emphasis in this second chapter falls on the creation of man and on the way in which this took place. The big difference between the first and second chapters of Genesis comes out in these details which are told us in the second concerning the form of man. The first chapter tells us of the creation of heaven and earth and lets these lead up to the making of man. In this chapter, man is the last creature called into existence by God's omnipotence. He stands at the end of the series of creatures as the Lord of nature, the king of earth. But the second chapter from Genesis 2-4 on begins with man, proceeds from him as the starting point, sets him as the center of things, and then relates what happened in the creation of man, how this took place for the man and for the woman, what dwelling place was appointed for him, with what vocation he was entrusted, and what purpose his destiny was. Now, here's really the central part that I think is what helped me. The first chapter speaks of man as the end or the purpose of creation, and the second deals with him as the beginning of history. The content of the first chapter can be comprised in the name creation, and that of the second in the name paradise. I thought that was... Hmm. The first chapter ends with man, because man is like the crown of creation. The second chapter begins with man as the beginning of history. I thought mm-hmm. that was helpful. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, I think yeah. that we there's some takeaways in all of this. And, you know, creation's crowning work. Uh, man is made in God's image. And secondly, as image bearers, humanity is uniquely dignified to reflect and glorify the spiritual characteristics of God uh, through our mind, our wills, our emotions, and the exercise of dominion over creation. That's what's being brought forth. Um, we're reminded uh, in these creation accounts that the whole human race descends from that pair of Adam and Eve. You know, later in chapter 3, we're going to be reminded that all uh, mankind inherits Adam's sinful nature. That's a whole other discussion. And then uh, this historicity of Adam is evidenced, again, by the New Testament's use of, uh, in Romans 5, which uh, Ryan had referenced, where Christ is introduced as the second Adam. So when you talk about the idea of Adam being the pinnacle of creation made in the image of God, sometimes people will say, well, that's just poetic writing, and so God actually brought about that creation through thousands and millions of years of evolutionary processes, and it doesn't mean that God wasn't still involved in the process, but in a, a secondary way, and so they still believe in God as creator, but that he is governing over these millions of years of evolutionary process in order to eventually bring about man, Adam. It's interesting, though, that it seems to me that Genesis 9, then, would no longer make any sense. That as they get done with the, the flood, and they're coming out of the, the, the boat, and God says, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you, and I gave you the green plants, I gave you... I give you everything, but you shall not eat flesh with its life. But then he goes on to say, whoever sheds the blood of man, by a man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Mm-hmm. So what would be the logical sense of saying you can't take the life of man if man is just a, a more glorified form of a, a donkey or a goat or an ox? Or I mean, what mm-hmm. would be special? 
uh, where, when did he become the image of of, of God? Mm-hmm. Was it was it after the, he he moved through the goat phase or <laughs> or the monkey phase or the? So why would God care about shedding the blood of man, but not the shedding of the blood of every other living creature that's that's on the face of the earth? But he does care because there's something distinct about man, right? And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, that's what I was pointing out when I was talking about uh, we we are, were created to reflect uh, the spiritual characteristics of God. He, you know, the what man lost in the fall was true knowledge and righteousness. These are the things that we. This is this is what makes the image of God the image of of God uh, in the in the sense in man. You know, we reflect him through our mind, our will, and our emotions. Through and also this dominion as being mm-hmm. vice regents over his creation. These are all things that are part of the image of God uh, that is not in the other created order. Mm-hmm. And then what that then goes on to mean is, as an image bearer, we were created for a purpose to reflect God, and we failed in that. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, and we sinned in Adam, our representative head. And what that means is, we needed another one that's in the image of God, mm-hmm. that reflects God. Hebrews eleven, opening verses that that's what Christ is. And Christ comes as that second Adam because our first Adam failed. And we all in Adam sinned. So therefore, those that are in Christ can have life because he's also an image bearer. And in that bearing of the image of God is where we find salvation as the one that fulfills what Adam did not. Well, we're out of time. We will see you tomorrow.